Today on Hardwired. I saw an angel descending out of heaven. He carried the key to the abyss in a chain, a huge chain. He grabbed the dragon, that old snake, the very devil, Satan himself, chained him up for a thousand years, dumped him into the abyss. I love that verbiage, dumped him into the abyss. Slammed it shut and sealed it tight. No more trouble out of him. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wicklire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, as we continue through our series in the incredible book of Revelation, today we're going to be looking at the war of all wars. Nobody likes to hear about war. Nobody likes war. But the Bible predicts that there will be one last great, incredibly horrible war. We know it as the War of Armageddon. And it's going to be happening, according to the book of Revelation, right before the return of Christ. So, I can't wait to share part two of the message, The War of All Wars. Let's go. Let's see what John writes. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Now here comes the return of Christ. Its rider was named Faithful and True. Who could that be? Right? For he judges fairly and he wages a righteous war. I love this. His eyes were flames of fire. On his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. So we go right to John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. The Logos, the Word, was Theos, God. So it's telling us Jesus was not less than God, and the Logos was Theos, God. All right? God the Son. So it's very sad to hear. But anyway, I've learned when I see these things happening, I know that my Bible told me they would. The Bible is my anchor. So I'm teaching you. If you come to this church, I'm going to teach you the centuries-old orthodoxies of the church. That meaning the foundational truths of Scripture. Verse 19, Revelation 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. That's insane. So clearly they will be insane. King David prophesied about this all the way back in Psalms 2, starting at verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, get this, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, 
saying, let us break their bands in pieces and cast away their cords from us. In other words, we don't want them ruling over us. I don't want the Lord ruling over me. Get off my back, get out of my life. I'm going to break your bands off of me. I'm going to cast your cords off of me. I don't want you cramping my style. I want to live the way I want. But look what verse 4 says. He who sits in the heavens shall have a good laugh. The Lord will hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure and fury. In other words, it won't go well for them when they decide to fight the Lord. The returning Lord quickly deals with them. Verse 20, the beast was captured. That's the Antichrist. And with him, the prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, he was captured. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshiped the statue. I told you, Antichrist, political leader, the false prophet, a spiritual leader. This false prophet is going to be allowed by God to demonically perform miracles. And he will call fire down out of heaven like Elijah, but it's going to be fake, phony, satanic. But it will be a way that he deceives the citizens of the world by doing miracles in the name of the Antichrist. Really, you're seeing here a total counterfeit. Antichrist taking Christ's place and this false prophet taking John the Baptist's place. He points to Antichrist and he does miracles. But look what the Bible says. The beast and his false prophet thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now, this is telling us the Antichrist and the false prophet are the very first human beings to ever enter the lake of fire. Lake of fire is not functional right now. The lake of fire is there. We got a call tonight on the radio. Where is hell? Is hell a real physical place? And I believe it is. I'll tell you why. Heaven's a real physical place. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, adorned as a bride for her husband, that we're all going to occupy who know Christ. That's a real physical place. So I have to believe that hell is physical. Now, where is it? I don't know. The Bible often talks about it being in the heart of the earth. The Bible always refers to it as down, not up. Heaven is always up in the Bible, and hell is always down, north. Heaven is south. That's why I live in the south. You don't want to live in the north. Anyway, cheap joke. But here's the deal. I do believe it's real. I believe it's a real place. Where is it? I don't know if it's in the heart of the earth. I don't know where it is, but it's there. And if you think Jesus didn't talk about hell, about to read it. Look what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Then the man of lawlessness, Antichrist, will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of what, everybody? Say it with me. His coming. So Antichrist is going to see him in the clouds, decide to fight him, and next thing he knows, he's toast. It's over. And they go to the lake of fire. Nothing is in the lake of fire right now. Well, where are people who are lost? Where are they? They're in Hades. They're in Hades, the place Jesus talked about, which is like a spiritual waiting room for those who are going to be judged at the great white throne judgment and will face eternal death. They're in Hades. The rich man went there. Please put some water on my tongue. 
please let me go and warn my brothers who are still on the earth about this terrible place. And Jesus paints this picture, but it's high days. In the Greek language, it's not the lake of fire. The lake of fire is reserved for the end of the tribulation period. And the first ones thrown into it will be Antichrist and the false prophet. The Lord Jesus, no longer the gentle lamb, now appears as the lion of Judah, and he quickly disposes of the rest of the massive end-time army. Verse 21, their entire army was killed, says John, by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. What's the sword that comes out of his mouth? His word. He will speak, and it will be done. And the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. I'm just reading the Bible. I know that's gross. But that's what it says. And it's here that the final chapter of mankind's bloody history comes to a close. A new era is about to dawn. Can everybody say amen? The Lord's going to rule the earth. What an incredible vision of hope for a new day. Amen? As we're about to see, Satan's day is coming. Now, it's one thing Antichrist and false prophet to go in, but I'm going to watch Split Hoof go in. That is the devil. Because he's being sent to the lake of fire as well. Amen. When Jesus appears to bring an end to the war of Armageddon, watch this, there's going to be a worldwide judgment called the judgment of the nations. This is not the great white throne judgment. This precedes it. Jesus spoke of this judgment of nations in Matthew 25, 31 to 46. He used the illustration of sheep and goats. The sheep represent the righteous saved. And the goats represent the lost in Christ's illustration. And this distinction made between the two is in how they treated the needy, which Jesus presents as a way to authenticate their salvation. He's not telling us that their good works saved them, but that their good works attested to their salvation. The Bible never envisions a saved bench warmer that never gets involved in any kind of righteous works, good works. No, Bible doesn't see it, okay? So Jesus is about to tell us or, or show us how God is going to address the sheep and the goats. When he, Jesus, finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. This is Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Verse 32, then all the nation will be arranged before him and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep at his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter, you are blessed of my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. Here's why I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering in the cold and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. You know what he's describing here? What the Bible calls good work. These are works not done in your name or mine, but we do them in the name of Christ and as extensions of his love for these people, okay? So he just gave us a great example of what a good work is, okay? Then those sheep are going to say, 
Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and clothed you? And when did we ever see you sick? You've never been sick or in prison. You haven't been in prison. How did we come to you that way? King will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Why every day our church feeds thousands of children in three different major missionary outreaches in Haiti, Africa, and India. We give over 10% to missions. We're feeding these little children. We're not doing it in the name of Turning Point. No, we're doing it in the name of Jesus here because you don't have any food. We're feeding you. It touches me because this is Christianity in the raw, okay? Christianity is not about you getting rich. Come on. Christianity is about you enriching others in the name of the Lord Jesus. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. These good works are only proofs that they are saved. That's all Jesus is saying. Now, here we come to the goats. They didn't have any such evidence. Jesus says, it says he will turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. That's not very politically correct. And why? Because I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was homeless, you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes. I was sick and in prison and you never visited. Those goats are gonna say, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry, thirsty, homeless, shivering, sick, or in prison and didn't help you? I'm telling you the solemn truth, Jesus said. Whenever you fail to do one of these things to someone, being over Lord, that was me. Failed to do it to me. Proof you weren't saved. Did you know the vast majority of charitable giving in America and around the world comes from Christians? And guess what? I'm probably going to get in trouble for this when it goes on radio, but I've read it over and over again. It's true. You know who the chintziest people are on earth? Atheists. And do you know why we have hospitals? Do you know why we have colleges and universities? They were all originally started by Christians. Hospitals were started by Christians. Track it in history. You'll find it. Based on the Good Samaritan principle that Jesus taught. The six Ivy League schools all started as Christian schools with Christian mission in mind. Boy, have they fallen. All right. Now, when Christ comes and the tribulation comes to its terrible close, chapter 20 reveals several things that are going to take place. So now we're jumping into 20. So hang tough with me. We've got just a little bit left. What's going to happen starting in chapter 20? Satan is bound in the abyss. Can we thank God for that? 
Amen. The first resurrection takes place. The millennium is ushered in, and the millennium is mentioned six times in chapter 20. Satan is loose for a brief season. I'm going to explain that. The last and final rebellion occurs. I'm going to explain that. Satan is sent to the lake of fire, and then the second resurrection and the second death. I'm going to explain all that. Verse 1 of chapter 20 opens with a special angel coming down from heaven with authorization to subdue Satan. Bind him for a thousand years with a great chain and cast him into the bottomless pit called the abyss. Remember when Jesus approached the demoniac and the demons spoke out of him and said, have you come to cast us into the abyss before our time? Remember that? That's letting you know they knew their destiny before human beings ever did. They knew that this one that was about to cast them out of this man was the very one that's going to cast them into an abyss. And they were concerned about going prematurely. That was it. Okay. I saw an angel, Revelations 20, verse 1 to 3. I saw an angel descending out of heaven. He carried the key to the abyss in a chain, a huge chain. He grabbed the dragon, that old snake, the very devil, Satan himself. Chained him up for a thousand years, dumped him into the abyss. I love that verbiage. Dumped him into the abyss. Slammed it shut and sealed it tight. No more trouble out of him deceiving the nations until a thousand years are up. And after that, he's going to be let loose. Again, I'll explain that. Now, the thousand years mentioned in verse 3 have been called the millennial reign of Christ. This is going to be a glorious time when, as Isaiah describes, the wolf will live with the lamb. Everybody say, no more predatory activity. Creatures are no longer going to devour creatures to live. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the young lion and the young fat animal will lie down together. And a little boy will lead them. A little boy will lead a leopard around. Because there's no more antipathy creature between creature and human. It's gone. And I love that. Oh, I'd love to say to a leopard, come here. Come to daddy. Come here. Let me pet you, leopard. <laughs> now you run. But in the millennium, come on. Come on. Let me see. Oh, those are beautiful spots right? Come here, lion. Come here. Oh, aren't you a kingly thing? I'm so glad to meet you. Give me a paw, right? Satan will be bound and chained in the abyss for a thousand years. All satanic activity ceases. Can you imagine that? Imagine that. All satanic activity ceases. All demon powers are removed from the earth. Now, what does it mean in verse three when it says Satan is let loose briefly? Apparently, everybody, Satan is going to be released for a brief time at the end of the thousand years. Why? To test and attempt the descendants of the survivors of the tribulation to see whether their allegiance during the millennium is merely outward submission to Christ's supreme rule or a heartfelt dedication to the Savior King. Let me explain quickly. I mean, two kind of human beings walk in the earth during the millennium. One kind will be the church come back with Christ at the second advent. We'll have glorified bodies. Hallelujah. Glorified bodies. Because when we get raptured up, 
we immediately receive a glorified body. Can't get sick, can't hurt, no pain, no diet issues, right? Like Jesus had, we'll be able to walk through a door and then eat fish on the other side. I'm talking about a shut door, okay? So we will be there. Now listen carefully. So during the millennium, we will not marry or produce children. Track with me. But there's another kind of person will be there. And that's those that survived the tribulation saved. Tribulation saints. Tribulation saints won't be raptured. So when Jesus comes and separates the sheep from the goats, the sheep are tribulation saints. And they will go right into the millennium with Jesus ruling the world out of Jerusalem. And they will marry. And they will have children because they don't have the glorified bodies we do. Are you with me? I mean, I think we'll say hi when we pass them. They're sort of like, I'm glorified and you're not. You know, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how that'll work. But here's the deal. There'll be turn church will be on the earth, ruling with Christ. What did Jesus say? You've been faithful over little. I'm going to make you what over much? Ruler. What we rule, I don't know but it's got to be good. Now, the tribulation saints, when Christ comes, remember, so that all flesh won't be wiped out, those tribulation saints that got saved during the tribulation will still have human bodies, and they'll enter the millennium with us. But they will reproduce. They will have children. They will marry. And those children's children... Oh, by the way, I believe... Those tribulation saints will be in a totally different atmosphere. I believe they'll go back to living as long as the old patriarchs did, the ancient people at the beginning, 800 years, 900 years. Methuselah, what was it, 965? He almost made it to a millennium. I believe they'll live centuries, but they'll be different from the returned church. So they'll reproduce. So when Satan is let loose for a little while, it is to test them, not the church. Are you with me? They will be tested. And the Bible says that Satan will successfully stir up a rebellion from them. And God shuts it down. We're not there yet in the Bible, but I'm just kind of prepping you for when we get there. So two kinds of people walking around during the millennium. Those that returned as the church, and those that live through the Great Tribulation saved, they go into the millennium because Jesus separates them, the sheep from the goats, and they go in. Some of you have glazed over on me a little bit, but I think you're okay. All right? Because I know it's a lot. But these are questions people ask. And these are things that you do wonder. So let's move on. The thousand-year millennium is mentioned six times in the first six verses and during the millennium. Jesus Christ will rule the world out of Jerusalem, right? Where did he ascend into heaven from? Jerusalem. So what did the angel say? The same way he went up, he's coming back. He'll rule out Jerusalem. We're almost done. One more verse. John says the resurrected saints of this age and the Old Testament saints will rule with the Savior. Revelation 24, and this is my last verse. John says, I saw thrones. Those put in charge of judgment sat on the throne. I also saw the souls of those 
beheaded because of their witness to Jesus and the word of God, who refused to worship either the beast or his image and refused to take his mark on their forehead or their hand. So who's this talking about? Tribulation saint. Now look what it says in closing. They lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So there you have it. Tribulation saints enter the millennium and the returning church. We come back with the setup shop. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.